tether the ball, we gonna tether the ball, the mother sucker, tether the ball, the sucker. A tether the ball, we gonna tether the ball, the mother sucker, tether the ball, the sucker. A tether the ball, we gonna tether the ball, the mother sucker, tether the ball, the sucker. A tether the ball, we gonna tether the ball, the mother sucker, tether the ball, the Welcome to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams, joined by co-host Austin Zamhereri. This is episode number 20, the big 2-0, the first episode of 2022, and we are joined by guest Alyssa Nolan. She is the executive director of the Texas Hemp Coalition. Welcome, everybody. What's up? Thank you for having me. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Thank you for being here. I'm so sorry. That is embarrassing. Uh, just really, really excited to have you here. And when Jesse approached me about wanting to lead off the year with, um, this was yours was the name that we absolutely chose because uh, we felt like it was a uh, very good energy, especially coming off of 2020 for 2020 or 2021 coming into 2022. Well, I really appreciate y'all having me and how everybody's able to work together. And you're right. 2021 was quite a big year and we had a lot of really big successes and, you know, just like closing out that year and all of the conferences and expos that have been going on. I feel like everyone's kind of gotten to know each other a lot more. And then going into 2020, I just, I see a lot of good things coming for the industry. I see everyone getting being able to work together even more, but then new faces coming in that maybe will feel a little bit more comfortable about entering this space and maybe knowing where to go. So it's an, it's an exciting time. What would you say is, um, start on a, a note, talking about lots of events that took place. What would you say is probably your favorite event from 2021 in the hemp space? Ooh, there were so many. I hate to say one was my favorite. It was like every weekend, I think from... I know for a few months there, it was every weekend we were at a hemp expo. I kind of want to be like, hey, guys, let's do like a few and make them really big and then let everybody kind of like have their downtime. But, you know, I thought that Lucky Leaf did a really good job at putting on their conferences. Uh, They were awesome and allowed me to speak and be on panels with the commissioner and people like Lisa Petman and and Representative Tracy King. So I thought those were great. It was a time where we could really educate the people that are in the industry because a lot of people that go to Lucky Leaf are it's industry focused. It's a lot less consumers. So it was our way to reach out to brands that are there, farmers, you know, people who are wanting to get into processing and manufacturing. It was just a way for, you know, us to legitimize ourselves, but also to say, hey, look, you know, we need your help. There's a lot more going on um, in this industry that we have to build out. So that was great. And then as well, some of the fun ones out there, like the Taste of Texas Hemp Cup was great. We got to be their nonprofit partner this year. Um, I think they did an excellent job. A lot of our board members ended up winning a lot of the awards, which was super exciting. So, you know, I would say those were some of my favorite ones. And then one that I will say, I thought they did an excellent job because it was a niche type event was the ATX hemp and wellness event put on by, uh, I think nature and who, Oh, nature's joint. Yeah. Nature's joint. You got it. 
they, I just thought that was put on so well. It was such a cool venue and it was very intimate, which you didn't really see at a lot of the other events. And so I would love to see something like that come back again in the new year, because I just think that it was just very like Austin focused, but at the same time, it, you had a lot of consumers come to it. I thought that's what was different about that one. So yeah, but I think there are a lot of events to come this next year. We are planning something as well. So I'm excited to see what's to come. Yeah, that that uh, the ATX Wellness event was a lot of fun. And uh, we, it's what I love about this is that we, you know, we, we run into each other quite a bit now. At least we have to like we have in the last year because, you know, we're, we're at the same events. We're doing work. Uh, at the same events. And so, um, you know, the ATX was fun cause we were a, uh, a media sponsor there. And at one point they came up to me and they told me they were having a parking issue because they had so many, they had way more people show up than they had anticipated. And I just said, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> if we blasted that stuff everywhere. It was everywhere. Yeah. And it was an exciting event. And yeah, the, the, the speaking panels were amazing. Um, it yeah. wasn't too hot. It was perfect. And yeah, I just really felt like that was the Kickstarter for a lot of the other events. You're right. Lucky Leaf and, uh, and, and Taste of Texas Hemp Cup. Yeah, we were, it was uh, all wonderful events. And you're right. I'm excited for 2023, 2022. Definitely. I definitely liked the, the Lucky Leaf in Dallas, the panel that you did with representative king because it definitely gave an insight as to like his mindset and what was going on in the chamber with the hemp bill the 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 cleanup bill that's what it would right. be called and it was nice to get that insight because when you're during session you get to go to offices here and there and you get you get little clips here and there as to what's going on but you got to have an intimate time with him and then ask questions as well and fill in the rest of the gaps yeah. And that's why we have those panels is we formulated them to where, look, I know what's going on because I'm in those conversations in the Capitol, but not everyone in the industry is. That's why there are people like me who are lobbyists who are working in government relations, who are representing the industries. But it's important for y'all to hear and actually know what's going on instead of it just being hearsay, because, you know, during the legislative session, not everybody is in on the conversations. It was like, you know, Jesse, let's think back to that first house hearing where that we heard the cleanup bill and oh, yeah. a lot of people weren't necessarily aware that we had gone in and taken out the Delta eight language. That was pretty detrimental to the industry, but that was done on purpose because we had to be very sly, very strategic about the way that we work, but that's how it works in the Capitol. But not everybody is aware of that. So it's like, I'll have to do a better job in the future of making sure that everybody knows. So we don't have those issues, but it's, you know, Representative King, he just was like, you know, I don't agree with it. I don't think that we should overregulate the industry. I trust y'all. I know that this is what the industry wants. And when it came down to it at the very end, what I was glad that he told people is there were more people that were against the cleanup bill and its end form over in the Senate than there were for it, which told him nobody's agreeing, especially industry. So we should probably not see this thing through. Unfortunate because there were a lot of good things that were in that bill. However, we did get probably the most important thing, which was that 20 to 30 day harvest period. And, you know, that's what I worked really hard on making sure I could get that in the TDA sunset bill and it was okay with all the authors. So, you know, I, I love that individuals in the industry can come and sit down at those panels and and hear from 
you know, Chairman King on what actually happened during the legislative session or hear from Commissioner Miller on how the HIP program is going at the Department of Agriculture. They're running it. He's been there from the beginning. And also people like Lisa Pittman, who I think is, you know, our leader in the hemp and cannabis industry as an attorney. And for her, you know, she represents a lot of the the farms and the brands out there. I mean, I've worked with her since the beginning as well. So it's just a time and place for, and even myself, for people to hear, you know, what maybe I know. I know I get a lot of questions from people that are, when is cannabis going to become legal in Texas? And I always have to hit hit them with the truth. I'm like, y'all. It's going to be a while. And it's like the first time a lot of these people have heard that. And I'm like, I'm not trying to be a bear of bad news. It's just, it takes a long time in this process for these things to happen. It, I like, I, I struggle with this a lot too, because on our end, we get this, I mean, as we deal on the penalty reduction side, on the medical side and, you know, adult use side. So we get hit with this question almost every day, daily. Yeah. And um, the the one thing I just, you have to dig back in history and you have to take a look at uh, Texas um, and where where Texas is fits into this whole puzzle of, of cannabis prohibition that exists has existed for a century. Right. And when we look back, you know, at, at the closest thing, which is alcohol prohibition, the 18th Amendment and then the 21st Amendment and how that came to pass mm-hmm. and what that looks like in Texas now, 100 years later. We still have a lot of alcohol regulation. There, there are still dry counties, things like that. And I tell people, if it's taken alcohol a hundred years to like progress to the point that we're at right now, where you can't liquor stores aren't open on Sundays and it's highly regulated and right. all of that, imagine how long it's going to take cannabis. Exactly. I think that's a wonderful comparison and example. I mean, there's something every day with the alcohol industry and cannabis is going to be exactly the same way. And also in the legislative process, you, you know, most pieces of legislation, hemp, for example, it took three legislative sessions for it to pass. So it's like you introduce something and it becomes an idea and you move from there and you get people more familiarized with it. There's always going to be some type of hiccup, but I think until federally they make some type of decision and then at the state level that we introduce a people a piece of legislation that's not necessarily decriminalizing, but is legalizing the growing of cannabis or expanding that medical program. I think that's what's going to get our conservatives to start thinking like, like how we had to do with hemp. We focused on job creation. We focused on how much money this can make the state of Texas. We focused on the medical side of things on the more importantly, the fiber side of things. So it just took a lot of convincing for those older, more conservative members. But what you're seeing is we're going through a huge shift right now in the Texas legislature. There are a lot of people that are retiring who have been in office for a while. There are a lot, there's going to be a lot of new blood and you're seeing a lot more people that are in their thirties running for office that might have some different ideas deals than maybe their counterparts that are going to be in the Capitol. So that's kind of exciting to see. I mean, I've got a friend of mine that's running. He's the same age as me and he's running for office. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, okay, this is exciting. Like we're finally seeing some younger people that are a little more open-minded come into this. So maybe for, as for us in the hemp industry, we're not having to fight those battles because we are a legal product. I mean, we are a legal plant nationally, but, but we still have these issues in a conservative state. So you know, it's um, 
I'm glad that people can hear it from the source, I guess, to get back to it. So, you know, it's like we hope to put on more of those panels in the future hosted by the coalition so that you can really hear it from the the horse's mouth as well. Yeah. On the flip side, it was like, I didn't, we didn't know much about what was going on. Like you said, going on with King people going into King's office, but when it went over to the Senate, like I had, I think two to three meetings with Perry's office where I went in with, um, somebody who was representing sweet sensi at the time. And then Austin went in with me for a meeting and it was just nonstop trying to explain that these amendments they were going to put in. It's like, this isn't just going after Delta eight. You're creating language that's going to like wreck this market. Yeah. Right. You're ruining the integrity of the intent of the original bill. Yeah. Well, and that was the whole issue during the 2019 session when we tried to pass the, the bill to make it legal to grow hemp is there was no issue on the house side at all. They were excited. They were ready to see it pass. They saw it as an ag commodity, as an ag crop with byproducts, which it does have. Um, when it gets to the Senate, you know, I think you see certain politicians, and I won't call out any names, that uh, like to make it a little more difficult and like to twist the arms of other politicians to say, hey, look, I need you to put this in there. And you think, why? Why would they do that? Well, it's because they need to get reelected and they've got conservative bases that have to revote them back into office. And if they make one little decision that can come back on them in the campaign process, that can take away some of their voters. So there's a rhyme and a reason for everything that is done. And I know it's so unfortunate that they just didn't understand any of us when we walked in and we talked about these amendments do more than, you know, like you are hurting an entire industry. You're going to shut down hundreds of businesses who that have been thriving during the pandemic they don't care i think All they, it, yeah i think it's frust- the frustrating part at least for me was when you explain to them why it's going to damage it and then you actually give them alternatives it gives them what they wanted while not damaging things and it's kind of like almost laughed at and it's like that's yeah. that's not a viable option and it's like we we can have both why not both yeah. I'm also beginning, I'm beginning to wonder just from as much litigation that has gone on this year uh, and a lot of the court cases that we've seen, if, if the state of Texas, some of these legislators were prepared for Texas businesses to fight back so hard and and vigorously, um, even taking things all the way, it seems to the Supreme Court of Texas. So, um, you know, I, it's you're right that the work that you're doing at the Capitol at talking to these legislators and 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 trying to get them to understand the scope the, of the decisions that they make, they affect things by even the most minute detail can have collateral consequences. Definitely. And you can say that as much as you want to particular ones that we're really trying to convince but the only people they necessarily care about are their constituents, the people who are voting them into office when they're not thinking of the state as a whole, which I, we all think of the state as a whole. We think of the nation as a whole. They're thinking of who's going to get me reelected. So it's just, you know, I've, I've seen the good and the bad and the ugly, you know, through working on this issue. I've even been asked not to return back to offices offices that have some pretty important hands in our legislation and what we're doing. So it's, uh, it makes you relook and you're like, what in the world am I doing? Why am I like putting up with this? But you think to yourself and you're like, well, no, because this affects millions and this could help create so many jobs and help so many people in an industry that people have been fighting for. So, you know, I've, I've had to get pretty 
thicker blood through this and, and not get my feelings hurt and not take it personal because I know that it's going to help a lot of people in the end. Well, we're going to go into our first sponsor break here at the Lone Star Collective. I'm your host, Jesse Williams, joined by co-host Austin Zamharari, our guest this week, Alyssa Nolan of the Texas Hemp Coalition. We will be right back after the sponsor break. and Lone Star Collective Podcast. Oak Cliff focuses on quality assurance with their hemp products while providing customer service to help you discover cannabinoids to meet your needs. Their product line includes hemp flower pre-rolls, CBG tinctures, edibles, Delta 8, and merch. For more information on their products quality or to shop online today, visit oakcliffcultivators.com or contact them at info at oakcliffcultivators.com. You know it would be cool if your business was mentioned on a podcast several times an episode. Well, you could have a slot right here on the Lone Star Collective just like the one I'm doing right now. Show your community that your business supports changes to social welfare regarding cannabis in Texas. Inform our audience that you are a supporter of independent journalism and the activism work we put in while informing them about your business. Let your customers know where you are located and what you offer the community. For more information on getting your business mentioned on Lone Star Collective, visit TexasCanaco.com. That's TXCanaco.com and click the contact tab. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective podcast, distributed on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and much more to give Texans information regarding policy, industry, and culture. Here is this week's host, Jesse Williams and Austin Sam Hariri. Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. This is episode number 20, joined by co-host Austin Zamharari. Our guest this week is Alyssa Nolan. I wanted to note that this this episode's theme, because it's a new year, I picked funk music, and I wanted to get all the funk out in this episode. We don't need a funky 2022. All the funky needs to be right here, right now. Get it out of the way. And if it's going to be funky, it's going to be enjoyable funky. Right. <laughs> You can dance out. You can dance it out as well. Yes. It's not like <laughs> foot funk where dancing no. makes it worse. No. D- dancing to this funk makes it better. Definitely. So we were we left off. We were talking about a number of businesses that had, had started to, to make their voice heard this session. And it came to my mind when it was happening. It's like we're finally reaching that point where the businesses in Texas, this, these little smoke shops that have existed for years. And if you live in the Austin area, you're very aware of like Planet K. Right. Businesses like Planet K now have a vested interest in making sure that they're contacting representatives, they're contacting senators, 
and that they're letting their customers know about what's going on. Yeah, you saw that with a lot of businesses this past legislative session. I mean, you saw several that started petitions online and people that were calling. You know, I had a lot start reaching out to me. What can we do? What can we do? And so we got them there. If they were local, if they could get to town, we got them there to testify. And we told them what to testify about. We had letters and letters and letters that we submitted with signatures of people. I mean, anything helps in those moments because it shows those legislators who are making the ultimate decision which way they should go. So yeah, it was, it's really cool to see everybody band together. Yeah, there's definitely, I was surprised, like some of the local shops around me are finally having to get to the point where customers are coming in asking, I don't understand. I, I thought I heard something about this and they're having to try to educate the customers now. Whereas before people would just come in, they go, were we ever going to legalize this? And uh, it was the same thing. What's Texas? Uh, don't hold your breath. Right, which like really shows the necessity of an organization that can educate people in the hemp space right so um all the more need for people like you Alyssa, to be here yeah i'm trying to you know bridge that gap between your typical cannabis community and your like i'm an i'm an ag person i grew up on a farm and ranch in east texas my degrees are in agriculture i've worked in agriculture i represent a lot of different other clients in the ag and water field. So I'm trying to bridge that gap with these legislators. When I walk into an office, they know this is our ag girl. Like what she's saying, we can trust because I hope that I've built up a reputation that people can say, we trust you. We know that you're not going to lie to us. We know that you're going to come in with facts and information and, and great people that can testify that are business owners that are good, you know, citizens of the state that they can say, okay, well, we actually can see this as a viable industry. So trying to bridge that gap to show people that they're everybody that comes with the hemp industry and the cannabis industry looks, it comes in all different sizes and shapes. You know, a lot of people may not realize that their neighbor down the road um, is a cannabis connoisseur, or they take CBD products for medical reasons, or they've got anxiety and they take it for that. You know, I, and I've also seen a lot of uh, you know, legislators that are more conservative open up, you know, they've they've opened their mind to say, well, you know, I know that this is an agriculture crop that you can grow and but it's different. You can grow it outdoors, indoors in a greenhouse, but then you can grow it for building materials. You can grow it for clothing. I mean, look what Amos Lozano is doing down in San Antonio. He's building a hempcrete building for his hemp juice bar. I mean, you know, it's those yeah. types of things that everybody wants to hear about that they get really excited about. And then there's the CBD side of things that people, you know, they like consuming it. It helps them with their day-to-day life. And so you've seen a lot of these legislators just open their minds and a lot of consumers in our more conservative state to say, you know what, I'm into this. And, and I'll use it as an example. You know, I grew up in a pretty conservative family. Um, my parents are, you know, they were, I was not, I never saw cannabis until I was a junior in college, which is crazy. Um, And, you know, my parents never were around it or anything from a small town in East Texas. They have opened their minds so much. They take CBD products every day. They use the salve. They're interested in it. We went to their first hemp farm to see when we were back home for Christmas and, you know, little old East Texas. So you're just seeing a lot of these more people that were like, don't do that. Don't be around it. It's a bad thing start to be like, actually, there are a lot of really good benefits to this. And there's a lot of things that can come. And this maybe is the next big thing. So it's kind of cool to see everybody start changing their mind and opening it up a little bit. 
you keep you keep saying small town in East Texas. Now I'm like, because like, I'm a big geography guy and I love the state and I travel the state. So like, I'm really curious where in East Texas you're talking about. I you am say from, county. You don't even have to say a city. Oh, um, I'm from Upshur County and the town is Gilmer. So oh, both- <laughs> yes. Y'all have a festival every year, don't East you? Te- yeah, the East Texas Yamboree. Yes, the Yamboree. <laughs> yeah. My youngest sister was the East Texas Yamboree Queen two years ago. Yes, I've nice. heard of this festival, and it is. Um, oh, uh, yeah. There's a local lady. There's a local radio disc jockey uh, whose wife is from uh, from Gilmer, and so this is how I've heard of this. That is uh, funny. That is funny, but yes, you're right. That is a very conservative place. It's very conservative. <laughs> we just went. You know, you were talking about alcohol prohibition. We just went damp, so we only have beer and wine. Maybe nice. 10 years ago, it was after I was out of college. It was like, what? You go through our, our local grocery store is Brookshire's. You go through and I saw wine on the shelves. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I have never seen that. And now we have like a smoke and vape shop on the square in Gilmer. And I'm just like, what? what? So I walk in and, and I'm looking at the brands. And of course, it's they don't have any Texas brands or anything like that. I mean, they're doing more of the, I would say like gas station style stuff, which is people want a lot of Delta 8 products. Um, I'm sure they've got some Delta 9 now, but it's just crazy to see because that would never have existed when I was in, you know, I graduated high school in 2007. It wasn't too terribly long ago, but you never would have seen that. Not even when I, I was hope in you, I hope you took a little self-validation there, like uh, <laughs> I am making a difference <laughs> in my <Yeah>. community. <laughs> for sure. And what's cool is like, I was back home for the Amberie, actually. We have a brewery on our square now, which is wild. Wow. And yeah, and I had a lot of friends come up to me and everybody was just like, dude, I never would have thought you of all people would be working in this industry, but like, it makes sense. And thank you. Like, this is such a big deal to me. I've always been ridiculed for it. Like, I really appreciate it. I just like keep fighting the good fight. So it's always good to hear that. And and it takes all of us, all of us to do this. Like, I, I'm not an expert on everything. That's why we call certain people in to do things. You know, somebody might have more connections in one office than I do. So you kind of have to work together. So it, it just takes a village. It's funny how you mentioned somebody going, I would have never pictured you in this. I grew up out near Fredericksburg and it's the mm-hmm. same way. Like very mm-hmm. much the whole County was into dare, but on the flip side, because it's a German area, they're all about alcohol. If you told them that you were going to get rid of beer, they would riot overnight because there's no way oh, yeah. you're having Oktoberfest in Fredericksburg without beer. Yeah. Not happening. But it was, it was funny that somebody had asked me that like, well, why did you get into this? And I was like, well, I grew up in a ranching community. I'm, I'm a 4-H kid. I grew up around 4-H events, rodeos and, and livestock. That's just me. And I now live in a city that could benefit from this. And I'd like to see my town benefit from this where I grew up at because there's mm-hmm. not much to do. In fact, Stonewall, that area went from being like peach country to wine country. Now they're struggling to find something, a commodity that they can put together. And then somebody's like, well, it makes sense that you want to do this because it would help us. So yeah, keep doing it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm an FFA kid. I'm an FFA and 4-H kid as well. That's what I grew up in. And, uh, you know, I was a state FFA officer and I've, I've gone back and I've helped with a lot of things, but now I'm being recognized as the executive director of the Texas Hemp Coalition when I speak at things. I'm getting called by FFA chapters and ag teachers and students asking me to help with their 
you know, ag issues forum script over the hemp industry in Texas or their public speech or their science fair contest where they're, they're looking at the hemp industry as a whole, or they're looking at plants. So it's really cool to see. That's what I meant by I'm trying to bridge that gap. I'm trying to break the barrier into our stereotypical ag community. And we've got some of those guys in the panhandle and in the Valley that are doing it in central Texas, but that stereotypical ag world is who we really need to get on board. And I think that once we bridge that gap and we get them on board, then we'll just see everything else kind of flourish and we'll get the help that we need. Right. Things, things move slow in Texas and it, you have to be in, you have to be from Texas and grow up your whole life in Texas. Doesn't matter where and the state's pretty big, but we all kind of understand the idea that things move slow in Texas and that if you want to change the state, it's going to take a lot of hard work and nothing in Texas is done without hard work. That's what most Texans understand. Right. We're going to go into our second sponsor break here at the Lone Star Collective podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams, joined by co-host Austin Zamharari. This is episode 20. Our guest is Alyssa Nolan of the Texas Hemp Coalition. We will be right back after this break. and Lone Star Collective Podcast. Oak Cliff focuses on quality assurance with their hemp products while providing customer service to help you discover cannabinoids to meet your needs. Their product line includes hemp flower pre-rolls, CBG tinctures, edibles, Delta 8, and merch. For more information on their products quality or to shop online today, visit oakcliffcultivators.com or contact them at info at oakcliffcultivators.com. You know it would be cool if your business was mentioned on a podcast several times an episode. Well, you could have a slot right here on the Lone Star Collective just like the one I'm doing right now. Show your community that your business supports changes to social welfare regarding cannabis in Texas. Inform our audience that you are a supporter of independent journalism and the activism work we put in while informing them about your business. Let your customers know where you are located and what you offer the community. For more information on getting your business mentioned on Lone Star Collective, visit TexasCanaco.com. That's TXCanaco.com and click the contact tab. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective podcast, distributed on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and much more, to give Texans information regarding policy, industry, and culture. Here is this week's host, Jesse Williams and Austin Zam Hariri. Oakleaf Cultivators is a sponsor of Texas Cannabis Collective and Lone Star Collective Podcast. Oakleaf focuses on quality assurance with their hemp products while providing customer service to help you discover cannabinoids to meet your needs. Their product line includes hemp flower pre-rolls, CBG tinctures, edibles, Delta 8, and merch. For more information on their products quality or to shop online today, visit oakcliffcultivators.com or contact them at info at oakcliffcultivators.com. You know it would be cool if your business was mentioned on a podcast several times an episode. Well, you could have a slot right here on the Lone Star Collective just like the one I'm doing right now. 
Show your community that your business supports changes to social welfare regarding cannabis in Texas. Inform our audience that you are a supporter of independent journalism and the activism work we put in while informing them about your business. Let your customers know where you are located and what you offer the community. For more information on getting your business mentioned on Lone Star Collective, visit TexasCanaco.com. That's TXCanaco.com and click the contact tab. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective podcast, distributed on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and much more, to give Texans information regarding policy, industry, and culture. Here is this week's host, Jesse Williams and Austin Sam Hariri. Back to the Lone Star Collective podcast. I'm your host Jesse Williams, joined by co-host Austin Zamhereri. Our guest this week is Alyssa Nolan of the Texas Hemp Coalition. This is episode 20, the Big Two O, and we're going to start everything off as it's funky, so we get it out of the way this year. It's our last segment. How's everybody feeling? Ready to answer some more questions, some more things. Y'all just with it so i wanted to ask what do y'all have what do you what are you and the texas hemp coalition looking forward to for 2022 so we've got a lot of exciting coming up for industry um we are now working can y'all hear me okay got me now yes yes perfect um, yeah, so Jesse asked, you know, what are exciting things that we have that are going on with the coalition this year? And so we just recently did some rebranding for the coalition. We have a nice new brand. We're having a new website that's coming out with um, some new updates to incentives for our membership. So we're going to be talking about, you know, when you do join as a member of the Texas Imp Coalition, what do you get? You know, what is tangible? Um, we're going to be having our newsletters that are going to be coming out starting this year. Uh, we're hopefully going to be having some membership meetings as well, maybe quarterly, biannually. We haven't quite figured that out yet, but uh, we're welcoming on some new board members. Uh, we're getting a lot of new members on board, but the most exciting thing that we're planning is the first annual Texas Hemp Summit, which is uh, going to be held at Texas A&M University. We are partnering with uh, Texas A&M AgriLife, uh, soil and crop science, through the Soil and Crop Sciences Division at Texas A&M. Um, and then also we will have uh, members from Prairie View A&M University as well because they are working on some hemp research. So we have a lot of exciting things that are going on. It's going to take a lot of planning to get to get it there. But uh, we're trying to finalize what room that we're using at Texas A&M. It'll either be at the end of April, beginning of May, and um, it'll be focused on panels. So, you know, Jesse, you had brought up that you really loved that. Tracy King was there and you could talk to him and you could hear what he had to say, what was going on. That's the same kind of idea of what we're wanting to do. We want it to be strictly a panel education and networking event where 
our farmers, our retailers, everyone in the industry can actually come to a conference and sit and listen than having to work their own booth. Because I think what we saw at a lot of these expos that were going on, there were a lot of wonderful educational panels that were going on, but a lot of our vendors who are pretty important in the hemp industry weren't able to attend them. So what we're wanting to do is to take the vendors out of it and have it strictly be educational. So we'll have, you know, panels on testing, panels on farming, panels on research, uh, processing, manufacturing, on the hemp building side of things. We really want to focus in on the fiber side of things as well. And then we'll have some uh, more, let's say, elected officials that will be there. We'll have networking happy hours so everybody can connect. Um, Some coffee breaks as well where people can connect as well. So just making it this place where everybody can come and actually listen and learn and and hear from the experts that are maybe from out of state who have been doing this for a while while. or maybe people in Texas that have been very successful from the last, you know, since 2019, since we made it legal to grow and to, you know, sell in the state of Texas. So that's something really exciting that we're working on. And uh, we hope that we have a lot of people that attend it. I think that based off of the panels that we've done, I hope that people see that we try to you know, bring good information to the table and bring the heavy hitters and people so they can hear it from the horse's mouth. And that's what we've tried to do from the beginning. You know, when we first started the coalition, it wasn't even officially started yet. I put on a webinar series and I had, you know, individuals from the Department of Ag, Department of State and Health Services in Texas a and AgriLife. And then I picked every aspect of the industry that people needed to know. And so that's what we've tried to do with the coalition is have every aspect of the industry represented, not just the farmers, not just the retail stores, but everyone on that, you know, seed to sell in the supply chain, everyone that's hit. So that's what we're wanting to do with the summit, just a place where everybody can come sit and listen and learn. But we'll have more information out on our website and our social media. So everybody just look for that in the future. Plug your website. Yes. Oh, what's our website? I said plug your website. Sure. It's uh, TexasHempCoalition.org. Awesome. It sounds like you are going to be doing something similar to the the marijuana policy conference, but obviously the focus is hemp. Right. Yep. The focus will be on all aspects, like I stated. So we'll be focusing on the fiber side of things as well on the CBD end. Also, I'd like to uh, comment on Texas A&M, who I feel of the big universities in the state of Texas have really embraced the hemp space and have really done a great job of opening up plots of land across the state where they're operating and have been given free access to the public across the state. And I, I may be wrong. I don't, I don't know uh, terribly much about, you know, what's going on at Texas tech uh, or UT, but every time I'm, I'm looking at different things, I see Texas A&M's name everywhere. And so um, I, I would just like to give them a salute for, for really stepping out and, and, and owning cannabis, you know, hemp as a, um, as a commodity and as a agricultural resource. I agree. The, uh, well, and the reason you see A&M a lot is because of Texas A&M AgriLife. They're a part of the program, um, through their research arm through Texas A&M AgriLife. I know that Texas Tech is doing some research as well. Prairie View A&M, who was also under Texas A&M system is doing some research. So, it's exciting. I mean, I'm an Aggie, as you can see, I'm wearing my ring. So it's exciting to return to my alma mater to see them focusing on this because, you know, I remember when I was at AM, I got my minor in horticulture and I wanted to work in the wine industry. So I went to Stonewall and to Fredericksburg to 
I went to William Chris before it was William Chris. Yeah. So like, you know, it's crazy to see when I was in college, how William Chris and other people like that have expanded. And so we had maybe three or four viticulture and enology classes, which is the science of winemaking. I took all of them. I thought I wanted to work in the wine industry. So I'm just hoping that AM, I know that they have a fall class that they're doing on um, hemp and cannabis growing. I'm hoping to see more courses that are open for these kids that are in the plant and soil sciences division because we've got a lot of kids that are wanting to do the hemp breeding program and i think there's even a phd student working on it right now so it's cool to see them open their minds they're you know a pretty conservative college as well but ag focused so they do see the importance of it and i think it's cool to have their backing and when i talked to them about this summit they were like, oh yeah, we're on board. We want to do it. Like, this is something that we're interested in. We've got a lot of research that we want to share with people. So they're pumped, excited. And it's exciting to see how they've transformed from 2019 to now, which is light years ahead of where they were. I hope somebody from Texas State University listens to this podcast. That way they can kind of get on the ball with this. Because I heard that Texas State was going to start doing like their own research program for hemp. And I'm a Texas State guy. And it's, it's something I'd love to see them expand on. Well, you should reach out to them because I reached out to them to try to get them to dripping to Tejas's harvest a year ago, and uh, they were interested, but there just aren't many farms around here. So I think that they've got like a, a hankering for it and they're in, they just didn't really know where to start. So that was kind of in the beginning of things. So maybe we'll see them jump more on board to try to compete with their neighbors down the road. It's funny to yeah. me because when I was attending Texas State, I was actually sent a survey by the university on behalf of the agriculture department asking why I had this background where I went to school out near Fredericksburg, why I didn't go in the agriculture program. And my number one answer was, you haven't started to look into hemp. Mm-hmm. And this was like 2017. I was like, you haven't looked into hemp, and this is going to be a big future in this state. It's going to be crucial for these students. Yeah. And just, you know, so there are early adopters and there are late adopters. And sometimes those late adopters, it takes them a while. But once they catch on, they're in it to win it. And, and they just need those grant dollars to be able to do their research. And, you know, it's just this trickle effect in the government. You know, you have to get your money from somewhere and you have to get people on board. You have to have private donors that come in to those universities. So, oh, yeah. you know, it, that's a lot more to it. Before we finish up, and I know this may be kind of a loaded question, but I just wanted to squeeze it in because I've just been real curious about it. I know that we're up for another farm bill here in 2022. Am I correct? Um, so the last one was 2019. I think it's 2022. It's every four years. Right. There's the 2018 farm bill, which is the one that I guess legalized hemp. Um, mm-hmm. So I know we're probably up for another one. I was just curious if you had any opinions on it or... I don't really have any opinions per se. I would like to see them look back at the hemp program from the way that they had originally wrote it. I know that through their rulemaking process at USDA that they cleared a lot of things up because that bill is pretty bare. I will be honest. There, there's not a lot in it that really restricted them. It let the USDA write the rules the way that they needed to be written. Um, but I think that they should look at states like Kentucky and Oregon and California and Texas now that we've been doing this for a few years to see how can they go and tweak some of those areas. I think that the THC level needs to be moved up to 1%. I think that there's some testing things that they need to look at as well. So, you know, maybe how to bring things over interstate lines. 
you know, in Texas, we have our transport manifest issue, which has just been very expensive for a lot of people. I know that they figured that out at the agency, but you know, I've, I, when I was in DC, I interned for the house ag committee. So I, a lot of my friends that I worked with then, or I interned under are now kind of in, they, they were in charge, but um, are, were the ones who wrote the 2019 farm bill for the hemp you know, portion of it. So I, I just hope that we have some of those same people that it's not just a bunch of new people looking at it. Some of the same people that can say, Hey, look, let's go back. Let's look at it with a fine tooth comb, just like how we had our hemp cleanup bill, clean it up a little bit so that it better represents what the industry wants and what will help us. So I, I my opinion is I would really like to see them move the THC level up to 1% because I think that would save us a hell of a lot of it things for a lot of people. I think it would just make it easier. And then I just remembered my other big thing is I would like to see them really clean up and clarify the sections where you can remediate a hot product. If you do have hot material, how can remediate, can we remediate that? Can we go into the field? Can we, you know, take it and then extract the oil out of it so where we can still use the oil, but take the THC out of it. There's so many things that can be done to remediate the product instead of just destroying it so that our farmers aren't making money. So it's just, it takes the feds to fix those things for us because our hands are tied at the state level. We can only be more strict. We cannot be more lenient. Just the way it is. It's a good question. Makes sense. It's something that popped in my mind and we posted (laughs) up on our page the other day. I wonder what it's going to take to get hemp milk on par with like the cost of cow milk. Oh gosh. Well, we'd have to have a lot more hemp production and a lot more people that are going to be using it for milk so that it oversaturates the market and makes the product cheaper. We're all about the product placement. Just let us know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, you know, you're seeing a lot of different, byproducts, right. That are coming out in grocery stores. I mean, you, obviously we've seen hemp hearts, we see hemp seeds that are being used. Another thing are hemp greens, you know, people that are using them in a salad or to cook with or whatever. So hemp milk, I mean, I use, I'm basically try to be dairy free as much as I can use almond milk or what is it? I can't remember. Oat milk. I would love to use hemp milk. I know I've used it at juice land a couple of times in my smoothies and I prefer it that way. So I would love to see more hemp products in our mainstream grocery stores, not just in our health food stores. I mean, you know, I live in Austin. I can find it at Fresh Plus in my neighborhood, or I can go to Whole Foods, which is down the road. But, you know, at HEB, at Brookshire's, at Kroger, places like that, where more people can be familiarized with it. I think that that's something I see coming further down the road, but I think that it it can happen. Yeah, I saw the price of it, even for like HEB, if you you do find hemp milk at HEB or Central Market, it's like, four and a half bucks for like a pretty much a quart. And I'm like, Oh, I want this, but uh, oat milk is so much cheaper than this. (laughs) Yeah. Get your silk almond milk that you can just keep and take it out when you want to use it. (laughs) Yes. Anything you would like to add, anything you think that we didn't touch on. You'd like, say you like your own base, your own, your own members to know about or our members to know about. Yeah. So, you know, we are a 501c6 nonprofit. We focus on advocacy, education, and networking. Advocacy is a big part of the coalition. I'm a career lobbyist. So, you know, I've worked on hemp since the beginning in 2015. I helped 
write the legislation and pass it in 2019. And I'm still here fighting the good fight on behalf of the industry today. And, and we need people on both sides of the aisle. On the cannabis side, we're working to try to get cannabis legalized in Texas, but most importantly, to help us on the hemp side of things. Because if hemp is successful, then I don't know if we'll see Texas get to a point to where they're comfortable with cannabis. So, you know, we need more people to kind of get on board with both sides of the industry um, to join, you know, we'll have our membership. We're available for membership right now, but we're going to have a lot more incentives that are going to be coming out in the next few months. Um, and then also we'll have our Texas hemp summit that we'll be pushing out and promoting as well. So we would love to see anyone and everyone attend. We're going to have a lot of different, you know, options for attendance. We're even going to have a student option as well to try to encourage Texas A&M students who were already there from, you know, plant and soil sciences from the construction science and architecture schools to try to get them in to learn about the industry and also open it up to our, you know, UT students, Texas State students, tech students, if they want to drive about nine hours down to College Station. But, you know, I think that we've got a lot of fun events that are coming up and a lot of good things. And, and if you look at who our board members are and the businesses that they represent, I think that you see a pretty stout group of individuals that we would, I consider the pioneers of the hemp industry in Texas. I mean, you look at everyone from Bayou City, that's a processor, to farmers like Oak Cliff Cultivators and Tejas Hemp. You look at stores and testing laboratories like New Boom Labs and KJ Scientific. So you really see people that are out there pushing these ideals on people to help move the industry forward and to build the infrastructure. So um, you can find us on our website at texashempcoalition.org. Uh, we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and then also we have a podcast, which is Texas Hemp Coalition Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. So we come out bi-weekly, so y'all take a listen, and it's very educational and informative. So that, thank you guys for having me. I really, really appreciate it and hope to have y'all on my podcast very soon. We appreciate the invitation, and we thank you for <laughs> joining us today, being Absolutely. our first guest of the year. Absolutely. Well, Yes. Makes feel very special. So happy new year to y'all. Here's to 2022. You as well. Well, that's going to wrap it up here with the Lone Star Collective episode 20. Our guest, Alyssa Nolan of the Texas Hemp Coalition. So you check them out at texashempcoalition.com, correct? Or, or. Dot org. Dot org. Texashempcoalition.org. Right. They're, they're C6, man. Come on, give them respect. <laughs> Those things, I remember going through school and it was such a big deal about .com has to be this, .net has to be that. They, they, the strange thing is they almost mean nothing anymore. Yeah. Uh, other than, but other, I was trying to keep it old school, you know? Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's it's funny because when it's still when I was going through the one that they still ram like went on about was MLA says a .org is considered an official source. I said, wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, that's going to wrap it up for episode 20. I'm your host, Jesse Williams, guest Alyssa Nolan, my co-host, Austin Zimhurry. Y'all have a wonderful day. Adios.